to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for lending me those ears. And if you're watching me on YouTube or any video platform, thank you for lending me those eyeballs. Today, I got Dan the Man Jordan. Dan, say hi to the Sales Influence Tribe, man. Your sales influence tribe is the best tribe out there. I tell you what, I'm I'm pumped up just watching your intro. All right. As you can tell, Dan is a salesman. He's already sucking up to my team, but that's all right, man. I accept that. I accept that. Dan, how you doing today? Everything good? You know, it's a, it's just a good day to be alive. I tell you, I, I, I say that every day. It's a, it's a part of my morning routine. The first thing I do is get, if you could just get into the habit of just saying thank you. I mean, you don't have to do a prayer or anything. Just say thank you first thing in the morning instead of, you know, my I'm cold. Your day goes better. Today's one of those days. Yeah. Zig Ziglar, attitude of gratitude, brother. Attitude oh, of gratitude, gosh. Matt. Hey, let these folks know how we first met. How we first met. Well, I, aside from the stalking. Besides the stalking. That's weird. Okay. Besides from the stalking. <laughs> we have a, a mutual friend in uh hal coleman and uh hal's a good guy he's a pest control marketing guy and he's a great consultant and all that and he was putting on a little event uh here in atlanta and uh asked me to 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 help him out with a certain with a couple of things and then he said and victor antonio is going to be coming too and i'm like <gasps> i'm like my man because i've been promoting your sales velocity even before you you know i knew you Thank thought you. it was so great and uh and then so I went there and, you know, I did my little spiel. And, of course, I stayed around for yours. And I realized how good I could become one day. Oh, that's cool, man. It was a great day, man. <laughs> Hal Coleman, big shout out to Hal Coleman. Uh, when it comes to pest control marketing, Hal Coleman and Mike Stewart, geniuses, what they do. And they help small businesses. So, I, by the way, I did that for free for Hal Coleman. So did you? I, well, I think he bought me a cup of coffee, maybe. Yeah. But but it was, right. a, it was a great event, man. But anyway, he's a good dude, man, and I'm glad I met you, man. Since that time. Now, Dan Jordan, a.k.a. the Sales Energizers. That's his, that's his yes. nickname. That's his, that's his handle. And so where did that come from? Where did this whole Sales Energizer thing come from? Oh, gosh. You know, when, when someone's up and coming in sales, and we can go into it, but I kind of always wanted to get into sales, but... I realized early on in school, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't quite good looking enough, you know, to get all the girls. I, I wasn't quite athletic enough. I mean, I'm athletic, but I wasn't, you know, the great, you know, football player that you would say. And I, and you, you start reevaluating yourself and see what do you, you know, what do you got that attracts people to you? And I have an unusual amount of energy. And I just use that energy just for positive stuff. I, so, you know, when, People, I, I used to play this game in New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. And uh, people are just mean in New Jersey. I mean, whoa, whoa, not, whoa. Hey, I got, I got New Jersey listening in. Don't insult my Well, I, it's, they don't mean to be mean, but, you know, like, you know, up yours is a greeting. You know, you know, you know so they're, they're, a little, the they're a little, you know, a little terse. Let's just call it that. They're a little terse. But but I would play this game early on where I would just, you know, I'd be walking down the hall or see somebody and I'd smile at them. And, you know, and they'd smile back and then I won, you know, then I got my first point, you know, boom, that was the first thing to do. I kind of forced them to do that. And uh, I realized that uh, when I spoke with people, you know, what they were getting from me is, you know, they liked seeing me because I would give off that energy. And so uh, it just stuck. 
Now, what was, what was I, from, from that? I mean, how old were you, man, when you started realizing you had this, you know, Energizer bunny running inside of you, man? Because you're probably like a lot of salespeople, man. If, if you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of salespeople, tell me if you agree, like have like ADHD or something, man. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I would have been given Ritalin every day. Oh, know, I know. Like, well, they wanted to. I didn't. I ran away. <laughs> you know, was one, was one of, I'm not taking that stuff. And my dad didn't like any of that stuff. It was a uh, same with my kids. He goes, you know, it, this was this was his question with any medication that we would do anything. He would say, "Will it change his brain? Mm-hmm. Will it change his brain?" And I said, "Man, I you know I like my I like my brain." I, and really, that's why I never I never did drugs or I never did any of it because I was just afraid. First of all, I'm compulsive. I'd love it. I mean, I'd be like the biggest drug addict out there if I tried. Um, but I figured it's going to change my brain. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. But I, how old was I? I, I was, it was early on. I was sixth, seventh grade. I was I was afraid of my mother, man. Uh, I got stories. <laughs> I got stories, man. You know, with the sandal spanking me. So I was like, Ugh. so so as, 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 as you go through elementary school, like what, what was your first sales gig? I love asking this question. Like what was your first like, hey, I got to go sell something. I'm from like this little town in New Jersey called Fairlawn. And on my block, particular block, there was the, I'm Jewish. There was a bunch of Jewish people. And, and back then, um, a hell of a window Jews in middle management. I mean, like you, you were going to reach nobody's, you know, goal was to get into the corporate life. It just didn't, you know, it just didn't happen. So everybody kind of owned their own business. And, uh, <laughs> I tell you, so I remember, uh, my, my, neighbor across the street, the Zismans, and they had a construction company. And uh, when I was there playing with their son, Gary, and we we're just hanging out and he went to the bathroom or something. So the dad came over to me and he said, uh, so Danny, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do with your life? How are you going to support a family? <laughs> By the, way, the, 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 the Jewish accent almost came out. So Danny, he almost said <laughs> I know. <laughs> go ahead. Go. So he goes, how are you going to support a family? And I looked at him, I said, Mr. Zisman, I'm 11. You know, what, do you, what do you want from me? But this is what they, you know, this is what the neighborhood was. And so it, no. it was constantly, everybody was starting businesses. So what was the first thing? The first thing was, uh, you know, selling stuff in school. Uh, there was this, there was this close out, this store that went out of business and they had all these sneakers and I, we somehow bought up all these sneakers and I was, I was selling these sneakers in school. My you know, they were all what, the same size. What, Everybody did, you, what, what, what size. did you sell them for at that time? I mean, what was the price of a sneaker at that time? I thought it'd be interesting. Oh, I mean, 50 cents. Yeah. I mean, you're a kid. What do you care? <laughs> I mean, you got them for free. They were throwing them out. You right. know? So, I remember that happened. Just what, what, by the what way, did you do? A similar story. We had uh, the gym shoe story. We had, for some reason, uh, this company threw out these gym shoes like into this large bin, right? Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden we're like dumpster diving, like no joke. It was a big yeah. dumpster, and we're we're grabbing all these gym shoes, and we're like, well, you, I was stupid. I gave them away. I didn't sell them. I should have done that. I wasn't as enterprising as you. But man, that's funny that you have that story. Similar story oh, here. Oh yeah. Well, the big the big money maker for all the kids was uh, it was shoveling snow. Hmm. Like that was a big deal. Like anytime it snowed, we were all excited because a no school, but b you know, everybody just grabbed their shovel and it was like the weirdest thing, how it happens real quickly where people start like picking their areas. And, uh, that was the time when I learned wake up early, Yeah. no matter what you do, wake, when you wake up early, you get to pick the houses that you want to go to. Yeah. 
instead of getting the, the leftovers of everybody else. You were, and the way, trick is you want to get you want to get the houses that when the sun rises it melts the snow on the driveway mm-hmm. because otherwise you could you know you do it and it looks like like garbage. Oh, people, why can't you make it look like that? So. Now, now see, there, there's a lot of sales lessons embedded in this simple story, right? <laughs> One, right. get up early. Two, territory management. Three, yeah. ideal client profile, right? So this, That's this, right. This is all sales in the back of your head this, going, hey, this is how you do it, man. You make it better. Yeah. Every, everybody wanted the Samuels house. That's right. Samuels That's had right. a good house. They had a big house and it had a, a walkway, but a very short sidewalk area. So was Sidewalk easy. always. Yeah. <laughs> big accounts. Those, those are called the key accounts. You love key accounts. So That's how, right. How did you transition from, you know, you know, selling gym shoes and cleaning sidewalks to like, you know, what was your transition into the world of selling, man? Oh, well, you know, it, it wasn't sales at the beginning. It was business ownership. And I think that's where, that's where we are right now. There's different, different times in history and different kind of revolutions, you know, uh, uh, you know, the industrial revolution and the, the computer revolution. But right now we're in kind of this real gig economy. Everybody's a self-employed. Even if you're a salesperson, you, if you consider yourself self-employed, you have a much better chance. And so my goal was always to own my own business. And so my, my first business was a, uh, uh, I, I took my college money and, uh, before my parents knew what hit them and I bought a butcher shop, like in the next town over in Elmer really? Park. Yeah. And, um, turned it into a deli, DJ's country deli. And that was my first business. And, uh, you know, it was college money. So it, people say, Oh, that's a big risk. Man, you, you have nothing if you, you got this thing. And so, uh, if I lost it, big deal. You know, you can't lose something that you don't have. And so, but I worked my brains out. My first year, I worked 365 days in a row because that's how many days there were that year. And uh, the next year, I worked 363 days because Christmas and New Year's was on a uh, was on a Sunday that year. So I said, eh, I'll take a day off. And so we did that. Um, but I learned very quickly in that deli that you could wait for people to come in and you could you, know, you could sell them your buttered rolls and coffee, or you could sell this thing called catering, and then the sky's the limit. <laughs> and so my first entrance into outside sales was was selling catering for that deli, and very quickly I realized that's that's where the money. It's outside. You just got to ask for it because yeah, anybody will try you once. How long did you own the business? How long did you own that business? I owned that business for uh, for seven years. I sold it when I was twenty five. Good story. You want to hear a good story? That's why we're here, is man. Is is a good story? So you sound like my... a salesman. Want to hear a good story? No, just tell me the good story. Don't tell me if I want to hear the good story. If it's a good story, just tell me the good story. Go ahead. So my my dad, uh, an immigrant from France, lost his dad in the Holocaust. A, a really good perspective on life. Loved America, but only had a sixth grade education. And so he would, he would give me advice now and again and, and all that stuff. And so I might share with you a little while, but uh, never really got the idea of saving any money. And so never invested anything. He was just, he could use his hands, you know, he could buy and sell and do this stuff. And so when I sold that place, I'm 25 years old, I sold for $170,000, more money than, you know, I ever could possibly imagine, you know, growing up, we never had anything like this. And I put all that money in a uh, savings account, right, a, an investment account. And that money paid for my dad's retirement for the rest of his life. 
Oh, that's a cool story. That's the that's rest. Cool. See, you know, when people talk about going to sales and earning money or, or going to, you know, own a business and earning money, it's because I can say that, that I did that and, and still feel that same emotion of pride of doing that for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, it's not about the money. It's kind, of, it's kind of what you do with it and what you can do with it. Oh, man, I agree with that, Matt. I agree with that. I've, le- I've learned the hard way. Kind of in the sense that when I started out, we were poor. You know my story, poverty. Yeah. Went to college for money. Took the first job for money. Then moved up to corporate charts. One day I'm making a lot of money and realize I'm not happy. It ain't the money. It ain't, it, at the end of the day, it isn't the yeah. money. It's what you're doing and what you're doing with the money that will make you happy. So now, yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive though, man. You, seven years, I mean, you had a business for seven years, sold it at 25. For I'll just say almost two hundred thousand dollars because I'm an optimist. I like to think that way, uh, <laughs> right? And I mean, that's what you what you do right after that. Uh, we had a, a restaurant supply business in Manhattan. I was playing around doing that, but uh, uh, one day, I, uh, I, I a friend asked me to come down to Atlanta, so I came down to Atlanta. Uh, takes me. It was like a Thursday. I'll never forget it. And he takes me to a party on a Thursday. And I'm like, oh my god this place is great. You know, I'm 27. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Just, and, uh, takes me apart and meet some girl, you know, blonde hair, uh, Southern accent, you know, bakes pies. I'm thinking this place is, is as good as it gets. I mean, by the way, I, I mean, when it comes to lead qualification, that is right up there, right? Baked yeah. pie. I got it. <laughs> God. That's my target market right there. And, uh, so I went back home and uh, moved here two weeks later. Mm, wow. uh, asked the girl to go out with me. Mm-hmm. She says, no, I got a boyfriend. I'm like, what? So there's yeah. my first objection. Right. I got a boyfriend. Got competition. And uh, yeah, I said, I'm, I moved here. You know, and so we were talking. I, I, asked her, I, I asked that girl out mm-hmm. every day. Not every day. Every week for 26 weeks in a row. Uh, on the 27th week, I found out she broke up with her boyfriend. Mm. And she, uh, we went to a Met game together at Fulton County, a brave game, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been married for the past 25, 26 years. Congratulations. Two kids, never had a, and so, uh, but when I first started, she goes, you know, what do you do with all this stuff? So I said, I got to earn some money. So I, uh, I became a stockbroker. And that's what I did over here. And I really, that's how I learned really how to, you know, how to sell over the phone, how to kind of introduce, how to create immediate rapport, uh, that and the stick to of of asking somebody out 26 times. Yeah, man, I love that part. I love this. It's a great story, by the way. Look forward to meeting her one day. On the, yeah. when, when you moved over to the stockbroker, because I, I also know you have, I think it's a course or a book on cold calling. Yes. So, so, so I imagined it came from being a stockbroker. I am the world's best cold caller. Look at I that. don't want to brag. It's not bragging because it's just – and the reason is because I like bragging, it. It ain't bragging if it's true. <laughs> it ain't bragging if it's true. You heard it here. Dad Jordan is the best cold caller in the world, man. There you go. Well, I, I mean it's because I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I just – I love the opportunity of being able to meet a new – I get excited waking up thinking I'm going to – who am I going to meet today? All right. Wait a minute. I got to slow your roll here now because this is getting good. The The – so you're telling me, because I want my insane people to hear, hear yeah. this clearly, that you like cold calling. Like you don't, yeah. you well, just... listen, I realize it's not normal. Hey, listen, I like cold toilet seats too. But the point is, I like the whole idea of doing something new that's kind of, you know, I, before we got on this interview, mm. 
I, I threw out. Oh, here's my thing here. Let's see. Before, before we got on the interview, I, I, I threw out 13 just to get my voice right. You threw out 13 what? Calls. Oh, you did 13 sure. calls this morning already. Yeah, just be, you know, just be in the 15 minutes before we got started. Oh, what wow. the heck? There you go. There you go. By the way, by the way, I should mention also, uh, people don't know this, but I was, on, I was on LinkedIn this morning, and you were up already posting a video uh, this oh, yeah. morning. <laughs> Because uh, you cut your yeah. chin shaving, right? I can still see. I can oh, see yeah, it from yeah, here, right? Yeah, yeah. I, see, I, I, actually, I, I do a little research, and <laughs> so uh, I thought. The, but wait a minute, I don't want to get away from Coco. We'll come back to your chin later. The, okay. The so there's people out there. You know, we know co-calling is still part of the the outreach program, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, one could argue it's probably better to cold call now because everybody's inundated with emails and texts, whatever it may be. So so help my folks get over. Those people who are struggling to do cold calling, you know, your top three tips, man, these are three things yeah. that if you do them, you're going to be able to overcome that hump and out. Give, give me three things and then give me mindset. Okay. okay. In fact, flip that. Well, give me the mindset, mindset, yeah, mindset is the main thing. The mindset is the main thing. And the first, you have to have certain beliefs uh, and you have to have your belief in your product, that it really works. Belief in your company, that they'll back it up. Belief in yourself. But most importantly. You need to have the belief that whoever you're talking to, when you or whatever business you're you're reaching out to, that they are better off purchasing this product from you right now than from anybody else. You really tro- totally have to believe that you are the best option. In my sales consulting practice, where we go, I know for a fact any any company I'm talking to, I know for a fact I can help them get more customers. I know it. So, so let's qualify something because I'm going to give you a little pushback here. I'm agreeing with you like 99.8% mm-hmm. of the way. I don't like when, when people say that you offer the best option because I think it's almost impossible to I, offer. I didn't say offer the best option. I right. said believe in yourself that you are the best option. Right. And if you don't, you got the wrong product. Listen, if I got the cure for cancer, dude, I have the cure for cancer. And I'm calling somebody on the phone. I say, dude, I got the cure for cancer. You got cancer. This could help. And they say no. I'm going to come back with a with a rebuttal on that. But here, I've got let me push the you, cure. Let me push back. I got to push back again because I, I think you're missing my point. Feel free. Here. The, the, because this is important because I think this is like the mental glitch in people's head. I think it's, it's – and I, I want to highlight this because when you think you're the best option – but the hobgoblin in the mind says, well, other people offer the same product. So mm. so am I really the best? Because we live in a world of product parity. All products are almost the same. All services mm-hmm. are almost the same. <clears throat> so I don't like to say we offer the best option. I like to say that salespeople know how to position their option the best. That's my only twist because we can all, there could be three people standing here with the same product. But the person that positions it the best, I think, will win. That's the only slight twist. What do you think? We're I, we're almost there. Sure. Let me let, let me let me bring it. Parry you slightly Let's, here. So why this, we're here, Matt? You mentioned you mentioned Zig Ziglar yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Zig Ziglar was famous for saying, and it's even more important right now. The most important part of the sale is the salesperson. Correct. So when I said earlier, I, the best option for them, it was you have to believe buying from you. It's you. Yes. 
when you have that belief, because listen, I know anybody could sell the same product, but they can't get the DG. Listen, if with with the DG is an extra ten percent, just because I'm there with. By the you. way, if you're wondering what he's talking about, the DG that's his other name too. So he's got all kinds of names. He's got sales. <laughs> he's got sales energizer, sales arbiter, and the DG or DJ. Take your pick. Well, you know, you know what, you know what that is. Wait, that's, wait, wait, that's wait, interesting. Wait, my, I don't want to get off topic. I don't want to get off topic here because because okay, right. no because you, but I got to write it down because I got to bring. There's a good story okay, with okay. him too. I'm gonna write it down. So because I really want. I, I, I am now fully with you. I think we're lined up. That you believe okay. that you are the best option. If we define you as the best option as you, the product, plus you, the salesperson, that mm-hmm. combination is what makes you the, the whole, Yeah. And I think that's where people, yes. that's all I want. So, I want. so that's the belief system. Now, people have different ways of getting into the zone. And, you know, of that person, by the way, in the zone, me is the Deej. We turn the Deej on. It's a different person. Dan Jordan, the Deej can do things that Dan Jordan could, could never think about doing. So you get yourself. I actually have a little mantra that I use to get into the zone. I say, I lead, not follow. I believe, not doubt. I create, not destroy. I make the news. I don't watch the news. I'm a leader. I'm a force for good, force for God, set the standard, defy the odds, stand up. I take charge. I win. And so now I'm in, now I'm hopping on the phone. Now I'm a different person. So you got to control your, your mindset first. All right. By the way, so maybe that's uh, first. It's a good tip because I've heard people do reaffirmation. <clears throat> In your case, you're calling it a mantra, which I dig as well. Mm. No matter what you use, I think the point you're making is do something to put you in that state as and Tony Robbins would say, right? Yeah, Tony cyber, Robbins. Cy- yeah, cy- yeah, cycle, sure. Maxwell Maltz in the state. And, that, and that's what you're doing, right? You just put yourself in that state. Yes. And so then you're there and now you have to have all your, your, you know, you have to have your rebuttals there. You have to have your script ready. You have to all of that. Uh, but if I can give people one, one but piece of advice. That, that, and again, you, I'm not kind of, you just, you just, you gloss over some good stuff and I want people to really get you, man, right, because you're giving good stuff. You're giving gold here. You got to have your script down. What else did you say? You, yeah. you have to have your rebuttals down because if, yeah. would you agree that if it's not in you, like memorized, internalized, that's where people struggle. Oh, and and rehearse, practice, drill, rehearse every day. Practice, drill, rehearse because it changes. So I'm calling to see if you might be interested in X. Well, yeah, tell me about it. I mean, even even tell me about it is a rebuttal. You know, even how how do you do that? I, I had a call just today. I, I I talked to her and I said, you know, uh, your type of business. We're really good at helping uh, other people get more customers, more profit, and all that stuff. And she goes, how? And so I'm prepared. I looked on my thing for how my half is, well, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole mess of things, but the main thing is this, we make sure you and your salespeople get into more conversations just like this, where your prospects ask you, how can you do something for them? Dude, did you, does that make sense? By the way, oh, did you, by the way, if you're listening to this, notice how his tone velocity and the sincerity just comes across, man. That was well done. That was well executed, man. But, but oh, yeah. oh, well, thank I'm, you. I'm highlighting that because for you, it's very natural because you got it down. But there's some people listening to this who, who think it's just saying this script. But what you just did in that little spit that you just did is that you can feel that you care for the other company. I'm just trying to help you. Dropped your voice, right? Whatever it may be. And, you know, it's a beautiful case. Mm-hmm. So mindset is first. Well, Have the rebuttals and the, uh, the rebuttals and the script. And script. The main thing, if you're looking for three things that they could just put to use today, if you something you can use today, it's for crying out loud, stop saying, how are you? 
Mm. <laughs> when you, when someone, how you doing today? Just don't say, as soon as you say, how are you doing today on the phone? You know, you finally get somebody say, how you doing today? And they, what they, you think you're saying, hi, how are you doing? You think you're being nice, but what they hear is cold, 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 cold. Yeah. And they, they literally put up their defenses mm. and you, you're building a brick wall between you just by saying those words. So don't say those words. Instead, use the seven magic words. And the seven magic words are, I wonder if you could help me. Not sure. Hey, Victor, I wonder if you could help me. Who would be the person I would see? What happens is help is, it's such a, it's such a special, such a special word. I learned this actually when I had my first business, I learned this. When somebody walks into the store, what are you trained to say? Hi, how may I help you? So when you read somebody out, and even if you say it first, you're in essence letting them do their job. A receptionist answers the phone. Hello, this is Joni. How may I help you? Well, hey, Joni, thanks. I wonder if you could help me. My name's Dan. I'm with the company. And you're off to the races. If you say, how are you doing? You push people away. Yeah. If you ask them to help you, they literally lean into the phone. It's, it's a natural tendency to want to help. So, And I love that. Yes. So for you now give me how you, you said this morning you got up and did you know was it 13 calls something like that 13 calls i think right and so like what do you do when you're doing your cold calling like what is your routine having all that said i got the mindset boom with the mantra i'm in right yeah. script down rebuttals are down opening lines right that's all we're all good like what do you do i mean do you like time block do you say you know 30 minutes, I'll do this. 45 minutes, I'll do that. I'll call in the afternoon. I call them. Oh, if I showed you my calendar, it's, it's embarrassing well, what are some of your, how time, what, what, how time blocked. Yeah. Out. But what are some of your like constants? Like Victor, this is every day, man, every day. I tell all, all the people that we work with, you have to do, even if a lot of businesses don't need to do uh, outbound calling or what they think, but they need, I, I, I encourage everybody to do it for at least an hour a day. Sometime in the day, they have to go out and do nothing else. And I have a little a pre, uh, pre-cold calling routine where I have a checklist. You know, I'm into, uh, I'm learning how to fly. It's very exciting. And everything's about checklist. You know, there's the pre-flight checklist, there's the reach your altitude checklist, there's the landing checklist. So I have a pre-cold calling checklist. And, you know, one of the things is you shut off every, all the, all the, your programs on your computer, you shut off LinkedIn, you shut off Facebook, you shut everything off there. Uh, you get your list of names prepared for you. You have your script in front of you. You have your rebuttals in front of you. You have your, uh, you, if you're, if you're using your cell phone, obviously keep that there. But if you're not, you're not accepting calls. You're time blocking. You're doing nothing but that. Uh, I, I do in an hour. Generally, I have a program where I'll do it for 25 minutes and then I'll do, you know, five minutes of pushups. You know, five minutes of just get up and rest, throw out some pushups and then do another 25 minutes and knock that out. But what happens, what I find with, with calling is it's still with me, still with me, someone who loves it. The first call is always the hardest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but once you just get into that routine, just get started, you're good. You're really good to go. And it's the other thought process that you have when you're thinking your first calls is it's not to get a customer. When I said I made these 13 calls, this was just in between, you know, another appointment and something that I was, while I was waiting for you, this wasn't to get a customer. It was to what? Though I think I did it was to what? get an almost pro. If it's not to get a customer, what's it for? Yeah, it was to sell it to me. 
It was to sell it to me. It was to get my voice right. It's to be in the game. The worst thing that could happen to you. I mean, talk about a war. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The worst thing that could happen. But you just called people, right? Yeah. What did you call them for? Yeah. Ultimately, my pitch was to get them as a customer. But in my head, Mm. listen, what a a cold call is, is not a, uh, it's not a, it's a billboard. This is what it is. So you're driving down the highway and you see a billboard for a, a Subway sandwich. And you're not hungry. What are you going to do? You're going to drive by. You know, mm-hmm. you're not hungry for this sandwich. That's what a cold call is. You sometimes you're calling somebody and, dude, I'm I'm, at, I'm not hungry. So even if it's you know, but, I don't want what you but got. But even right if it's now. not a sale, I just want to be clear. It's not a sale, but it's it's to create one awareness or attempt a connection. Would that be fair to say? Yes, but the, uh, what the, the point is, there's a win no matter what happens. Hmm. If even if they're not, even if they. If they don't answer, there's a win because it gives you an opportunity to give your pitch in a voicemail uh, where you have to, don't have to worry about anybody rejecting you. It's just a voicemail. And then uh, two, if they do answer and they say and they say no, you say, great, at least you got your pitch out, you sold it to yourself, and yet you have time to practice. And if they say yes, obviously you get a customer. But you know, you know going in that you know, your odds are not in your favor. You're not going to catch when people are hungry all the time. But uh, you're getting better with every call. You're, I mean, it's... It, it's warming up. Nobody goes into a football game without stretching. Uh, no, I got it. I, now, yeah. now I understand you. I, I, and I totally agree with you, by the way, that it is it is about trying to connect, create awareness, but it's getting it out, right? As you say, just you yeah. know, stretching out a little bit. Let, let, we got to start somewhere. Let's go. But you said something. I just want to repeat it because a lot of people, again, we take things for granted because we've been in sales. You're the, By the way, you're the best interviewer on the planet. No, I don't think so. I <laughs> mean, you're getting stuff. No, I, I got it. Wait, wait. You catch it all. Okay. The thing is, you also, you know, you brought in your, your, your I know you're taking, you know, uh, playing classes, right? You're learning how to fly. And so I never, you know, this pre-call checklist, tying it back to the plane, mm. I love that. See, I love it. that. That's a natural salesperson. You, you just take one analogy, you just tie an analogy together. Here's what I do when I pre-fly clutch it. Here's what you should do right before you take off on your phone. Love that, by the way. That, that That's awesome. And so the whole thing about shut off social media, put the script in front of you, whatever it may be. And I think if you're listening to this and you're struggling with cold calling, I would say that that piece of advice right there is gold, man. You know, and also you said again, you're skipping over things because it's you know it well. But I want I want to just put speed bumps because I want mm-hmm. people to absorb what you're saying and understand how valuable it is. Is that you said you time block, throwaway statement? Everybody does it right for an hour, but then you snuck in something. I'm listening to you, man. You inserted the Pomodoro method without thinking about it, and the Pomodoro, Pomodoro method basically says you do 25 minutes. And then you pause for five minutes and you do push-ups and then you go back at 25 again and then you do your five and that's your one hour. And there's some science behind that. And I, you just said it. And I wanted people to realize that what you're saying has some science behind it. So I don't know if you want to talk about time blocking a little more, but I wanted to highlight that that was some real good stuff that you were giving out. Yeah, I I learned about time blocking years and years ago, and I guess I forgot. It's probably the Pomodoro method. I used to do 55, 50 minutes and then 10 minute rest, 50 minutes, 10 minutes. But uh, this seems to work better for me. Yeah, I time block nearly everything. Uh, and uh, actually, I'll time block time to think. You know, so or time, you know, obviously people do to exercise, but sometimes you just need to think. Sometimes you need to just shut it off and do. And, uh, What's great about, you know, making your calendar work for you like that is that you're always able to adjust it. You're always able to adjust it. And you find that you'll, you, you find that if you have to write down, I'm resting here or I'm watching TV during this time, 
you're so embarrassed by looking at how much time you're wasting, you do less of it. And I find by, by time blocking your time, you can gain an extra four hours a day. I believe it. I believe it. Can I, can I ask you a question? I, I, before you, this side, I, I get it. I'm just, you're, you're into it, man. I'm just, I, I want you to get, yeah. did, did you find, I've never asked anybody this question, so I, but I think it'll be interesting to get your response. Did you find because, like me, you, a lot of people, you have ADHD, that if you mm. that you had to time block because it was the only way to discipline oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, and, and lists and checking off the the amount of joy I get mm-hmm. of checking off a task like after it's completed mm-hmm. because left to my own devices I'll have a thousand different tasks nothing I'll get done. But, but I want I want to get there's there's something subtle here. <laughs> I sense it. My brain senses there's something here. Okay. When was the moment? Because I've had this. Where I'm just like losing time, Dan. Like, like you said, I could be mm. four hours a day, and I'm going, damn it, dang it, I really yeah. have to just start really, you know, when was that moment where you said, you know, I have to start doing this because I'm losing time? When, with, when did that sense of urgency kick in that you said, I, because everybody knows about time blocking, everybody knows about goal setting, but they don't do it. When did you realize? Okay. All right. So here you go. Now you're getting the real meat. Okay. okay. So I talked about my dad. Mm. All right. So my dad is a the immigrant that, that came with whatever. And uh, he got sick. And so he moved to Atlanta. And my dad actually lived with us for nine years of like declining health. Mm. And so I had a at that time, I had a lawn care company, uh, uh, several franchises or what have you. And I was growing that. And we had a warehouse and I was working a lot. And my dad required many hours of taking him to doctors back and forth and all this stuff. And my kids were little with the whole thing was happening. And I realized that if I didn't manage my time, I would lose my business. I would probably lose my family. And I'm, I'm about to lose my dad hmm. with this whole thing. And I said, you know what, <laughs> let's just take a look at the hours of the day uh, that, that are usable hours of the day. And I made an, an, an it was, I remember it was like circular count, you know, it was just a clock and I would mark off on the clock, you know, from, from 12 to this, I'm sleeping. I would actually mark in when I'm allowed to sleep. And I, and I, and I realized something, I realized that your day is 24 hours. It's 20, it's the whole thing. It's 24 hours. Like you don't have to, you don't have to spend especially now with traveling and all that stuff is so little, you don't have to spend hours and hours a day getting to and fro places and, and not using that time for something. And so I, I had to manage it. Mm. I had to manage it and it became an obsession. It's interesting. And so, you know, I, I love it. And that's where I am. I, it's just, and it, and it worked out well, it worked out. Uh, no, well. I love that story because it's, uh, you know, it, 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 even if you don't, you had to have like a dramatic event in your life. For you finally realize, hey, I need to start managing my time. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, I mean, a lot of us, including me, you know, at the end of the day, you're going, what did I do today? What did I do today? And so I'm always going through that. Hey, you you, you mentioned uh, franchise. Talk yeah. to me, man. I didn't know this. Oh, I, I had, my wife always tells me, never again with the franchise. And so, uh, does she have a Jewish accent? You know, by what, the way, does she have a Jewish accent? Does she say she, like that? No, she's not. She's, you know, she's a, I, I married, 
I, I married a, actually, I, I don't know if it's a bad word. I married a nice little shiksa. I have two Goyesha babies. Anybody Jewish will know what I just yeah. said. You know, franchises are good. What franchises offer you is a system of how to run a business. And so the system is great because it, it reduces your failure rate because they're giving you that system, the system of sales, the system of business consulting, all the stuff that you do for people. The only challenge is after about the year, a year or two, you no longer need that system anymore because you're in it and you know it, but you're constantly paying for it with the royalties. And so it becomes, it becomes a little fight with all that. And so I, I think franchises are great for people to, to get started with, uh, but they're tough to sell hmm. <laughs> because, you know, people don't, don't want to pay for that extra stuff that they may not need. Would you, would you recommend if, if you had to say this personality should be an entrepreneur, start their own business, this personality definitely should be in franchises. How would you divide that pie up? Like, how would you divide personalities up like that? Uh, uh, listen, a franchise is a business. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all it is. And everything is a business. Uh, you know, the, the sales industry, you're in, in a business. Everything's a business. And for me, the definition of a business is very simple. It's having a customer. Having a customer is a business. You can have all that other stuff in the background, but if you don't have a customer, you got nothing. And you can have a customer and have none of that stuff in the background, but you still have a business. So the mindset of anybody in a franchise or any kind of business has to be, how do I get a new customer? Wait a minute. Let me, how do I get well, let a me push customer? you because that's the easy answer. That's the layup, right? You've done both. You've done, you mm -hmm. started your own business, right? Had the, the deli for seven years, right? And then you did the franchise. And there's two different personalities. For And let me, I'll, I'll put some breadcrumbs out there. You tell me if I'm going... If you're going to go, if you're just like not the person who knows how to develop business, you don't, you don't know a lot about business, you're scared, you don't understand mm -hmm. systems, then maybe franchise would be a good kickoff point if you want to jump into something with a little safety net and security. If you're more, that's if you're risk averse. If you're not risk averse mm -hmm. and you really love the freedom of creating, I think that's what kind of what I was alluding to. I mean, do you see that? Am I wrong or, you know? Add some flavor to that. Uh, I don't want. I, I'm. I'm trying not to be all down on franchises. I'm not. Uh, I'm not by but, the way, I'm not down on franchises because I think it okay, works for some yeah. people. It really does work. Not for some people. For a lot of right. people. Starbucks. There you go. I. I'm not uh, a big fan on limiting my income and ability to grow, and franchises, by their very nature and their territories and all that stuff. It, have that inherent issue about them. So yes, there's some safety, but there's always a trade-off, you know, say security for, for growth opportunities. So, so absolutely. Someone first getting started should talk to you first or me first or someone before they do it to find out because everybody's, everybody's different and you can get caught up uh, with some big expenses. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Service franchises, I think, are, are really, uh, you know, good avenues for people. But when people go into retail franchises where they have to, you know, get, get a lease for five or six years or 10 years or whatever it is, they don't realize that that's their biggest expense. They're on the hook for that $3,500 every month, whether or not they're making a penny. And so 
you know, get your feet wet in a good service franchise business first before you're going to get outlay that type of money. So you you do, you know, one of the things I want to highlight that Dan does, you got perfect segue, by the way. I don't know if you just self-segued yourself. That's what yeah, I'm here yeah, for. You, uh, yeah. Is that you work with small businesses, small business owners, and I'm sure some entrepreneurs here and there. And I think, you know, going to a guy like you would be very valuable because you said it, it says you come to a person like me. Right. Because I've been I've seen both sides. And what you're stating is absolutely right. They're trade offs. And it would be interesting to talk to the person through those trade offs. Do you find that when you talk consult with businesses or people? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the most successful small businesses almost kind of fell into it. You know, I'm uh, dealing with the one guy who was, you know, he was working for a company and then uh, the company, the, the owner died, the son took it over. He didn't really know what he was doing. And so they lost a lot of clients. And so a couple of the employees, he being one of them said, why don't we go out on our own? And, you know, they talked to the clients. They said, we'll give you the business. You just go out on your own, you know, done. Uh, and then they have a few clients there and they grow, but then they reach a point where they're not growing. And uh, in business, uh, I think Tony Robbins says, you're not growing, you're shrinking. You're not climbing, you're sliding. There's there's no in between. And if people can get past that hump, you know, that little, you know, that 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 first plateau and just, you know, suck it up, hire someone like you or me and, and you know, push it to the next level. If they can just get over that hump, then the sky's the limit. Or it'll kill them and they'll have to sell. So when you work with, and I love the, the example you gave about, because a lot of people do fall into success, like literally like trip into it. Mm-hmm. And so let's go back to this, this, this example of, you know, uh, the, the parents died, they own the business, then they decide to go on their own. And now, yeah, they took some clients with them, right? Took a little portfolio yes. with them, but now they got to grow the business. You know, when you're dealing with those type of businesses, not all, just that fell into businesses there, they really haven't had to build the systems, you know, how do you help them, Dan? Like, what do you, what are some of the things you do to, if a small business owner is listening now and they're struggling because they're not getting new clients? You know, yeah. give me, give me your, your mini blueprint and then they'll, they'll check out the Dan Jordan, spelled J O U R Dan, uh, on your website. But walk me through a little mini blueprint of how you would help me if I was in that situation, struggling to get sales. Sure. Well, the first thing that just everybody needs to understand is just there's three parts of a company. There's the production, there's the sales and marketing, and there's the administration. Those three sections, you know, pick one that you like, pick one that you're good at, uh, but don't do the other ones. And generally, the owner of a small business is generally the, the, best, the highest producer. Uh, and that person can't leave. That The owner of the company is the one who's bringing in all the business. People are doing business with the company because of the owner of the company. If that's the situation, you've limited yourself again. It's like being in a franchise. You can't even sell it because if you leave, so does all the business. And so what we do with companies is make them aware of that. And then with their help and over a period of time, six months or so, we can build self-functioning highly profitable sales divisions to their business, sales teams to their business, or maybe just one person to their business where the owner no longer needs to be the top producer. So how do you do that? Because and, I think that's tough. And you, you're, 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 you're getting on a great topic because there's a lot of mm-hmm. owners who don't realize that, you know, Michael Gerber said, I think it was the book, The E-Myth, right? Never work the, in your business, work on your business, which means on, you're not actually yeah. running it. And and so, but you're highlighting something that that's a big problem out there, right? The, the, the main salesperson is the owner. 
and the owner doesn't know how to transition out of that. What, mm. what, what have you done to help cut, you know, the owner like basically transition out of that? You know, how do you help them do that? Right. And then the, and then the challenge is they say, Oh, I need a salesperson. So the hire a salesperson, you know, kick him in the rear end. He goes out and fails. And then that oh, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, or they get a really great salesperson and the salesperson knocks it out and all that stuff. And then they're, they're dependent on that person. If that person leaves, then they're messed up. So what you have to do, uh, small business people do, and, and it's really not a difficult process, but it is, you n- must commit yourself, time block time for yourself to build and own the sales process. And once they own that process and that system, which would comes with, you know, they have built in sales training. They have, a, you know, regular meeting set. They have a tactical plan on a sales process on follow up. They have good CRM. Once you have those systems in place and you own the system, then you hire a salesperson, not necessarily even experience, but someone with the will, because you could take someone with will, plug them into the system. And teach them the skill. So, so, pause, so then, hit the pause button right there because, again, you, you're highlighting something important, but I think you're going over too quickly because you're good at it. And that is that piece in between. You got the guy or gal who either hired somebody, then fired them, like, ah, you're not doing it my way. Screw yeah. you. Or they hired somebody, they got real good, they became dependent on them. You're saying step back from that. And then you say, figure out your system. In other mm-hmm. words, you, the owner, you said the sales training be the hiring process because I this is where you help them. and then the, the follow through process and have the tools available but this the is CRM services the email follow well this is the reason I want to highlight this because this is what you do well is that you take the thing is then you then you said after you have all that in place then you hire somebody right and you make you mm. make it sound like it's a it's a cakewalk it's not which is why people like you and me are in business because the right. owner doesn't know how to put the system together. Sometimes they they know it, but they can't explain it to themselves. And it's almost like you got to pull it out of them, help them organize that. You know, talk to me about you know some customer like that, maybe in the past that you had to really like, dude, stop. Let me show you what we got to do first before you bring anybody on. Do you have any of those stories? Yeah, well, well, of course, and I'll share one. But here's the reason why. They're smart. These, these owners are smart. They're animated. They're good. They are the, they're the best salesperson because they are the best salesperson. And, you know, and they love it and they have the passion and, you know, they're into, and it's, it's, it's difficult for them to give that, man, I want to do that. <laughs> it's hard for them to get out of their own way, right? It yeah. Really is. I mean, they, they want to do that. By the way, so, and by the so way, if, you're, if you're an owner and you're listening to this, I really want you to listen to what Dan is saying. Get out of your own way. <laughs> Step number one. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> but what they have to want more than that mm-hmm. is a, a real business and a real life. Uh, you know, they have to, have, you know, they have to have an incident that just happens. Um, or, or, or the potential or a family member, you know, distantly something that they could see. Oh my gosh. If I had to take off for three months like they did, what would happen to my business? I, I love, you know, because, because we like, we like the control. The reason why we're not in a franchise is for the same reason. We don't limit it. We want the control. They want the control. They're good. They're good people. So. If that, once that kind of event happens, which happened in in this one case that I'm talking about, that uh, that, uh, was very difficult to give up. Nobody, everybody thinks that their business is so unique. 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you know the processes. But this was a bidding system that they were doing a lot of government work, and he had relationships with people and all that stuff that he felt that nobody else could take over. And so what, what we did is we said, okay, I'll tell you what, you keep those accounts and you keep doing all that. And we're going to build something on the side over here without you. The only thing is you're not allowed to butt into ours. We won't butt into yours, but you're not allowed to butt into ours. And then it, it, it within three months, it started all mashing together and he realized maybe I could take off. And so we did a test and he took off for two weeks, and the rule was he wasn't allowed to call in once. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he came back and smooth sailing, picked up a new – by the way, they put on a million-dollar client this year. Congratulations. million-dollar. Yeah, it was very, you said, very exciting. You said something interesting. You said that they really want – I guess you got to remind owners of this, that you want a real business and a real life. That's what you said. That's what you said. But, but, but it's a heavy statement because what the owner wants is I want a real business. What's a real business? Something that runs. And I know it's, it's more predictable than unpredictable, more stable than chaotic. That's the real business, right? And then the real life is what you just said, the ability to walk away from it and it still runs and you're working on your business. I, I love that phrase, man. Real business and a real life. That's heavy. Well, you know, if, if I think it was Michael Gerber again, I think we read the same books, uh, who said, uh, if your business isn't giving you more life, it's taken it away. Hmm. And, you know, again, there's, there's, there's no one between it. So you just, you just work on that. I have a great friend who, the one who got me into flying and, you know, his, his life started. When he, you know, hired a consultant to go ahead and uh, and fix his business, and it's a great, very successful business. Enough so that he, you know, bought a new plane and he's, you know, flying around, you know, ostensibly seeing clients. Quite out loud, he's just flying for enjoying <laughs> for it. Fun. Hey, by the way, as we close this out, I want to bring it full circle. I don't forget these Ooh. things. So this morning, you're up on some building doing a video. You're bleeding from your chin profusely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just building it up so people go find your video. And, and you say the following. This is, and I want to close out with this because I thought this was an interesting statement. You said, imperfection attracts people to you. And I thought that was, yeah. such, I thought that was such an interesting line. So imperfection att- attracts people to you. Now, tell them about the video and then explain that statement just a little more from your, you know, from your perspective. You're asking me to remember something from this morning. You know, I got up at 0430. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just get going. I just shaved and I cut myself. But I'll, that, that statement, imperfection, that came from uh, this uh, girl that I knew in high school. And I, I actually must have been college years because we was in a bar and stuff. And she goes, nobody walks. She was beautiful. Nobody ever walks up to me. Nobody talks to me. You know, the guys were scared to talk to her. And I said, this is what you need to do. Go to the bathroom and uh, go get some toilet paper and stick it to the bottom of your shoe and give these guys a chance to come over there and help you. You know, give them be something, be a little awkward and embarrassed and all that stuff. And you and and that's what we did, because and that's when I realized that's what happens. Uh, Everybody tries to be so perfect. And you talked about cold calling and everything. You know, there's no one right word or that you could say or something that you can't say. It's it's being authentic. It's being real. It's really think that you can that you can help somebody. And 
and and just be honest. That's the secret of sales that people don't remember. Yeah. Unwaveringly obvious, uh, honest. Mm. Is this a cold call? Yes. It's as cold as it gets. I don't know anything about you. You're on a list, but I really think we can help you. What I, what I, what, honest, honest, what, honest. What I love about that statement, as you were telling the story, because I think you woke up, you were shaving too fast, you cut yourself, you're bleeding profusely, oh, okay. uh, but you're like a, a glass oh, half yeah. full guy. And so you said, hey, I get to talk about my chin today, and Victor gets to talk about it on his podcast as well. And But, <laughs> but, I, but I thought that whole thing about imperfection attracts people to, to you. It's interesting because when you seem too perfect, it's like people think, okay, they, they have it all done, they have it right. And they're almost, it's like, you know, it's the, it's the handsome guy, beautiful woman syndrome, right? It's like, oh, it's a little intimidating. And by being a little vulnerable and, and letting the blemishes show, so to speak, that, that people are, right. are less afraid to approach you. And I think there's, there's, there's a, it's an irony, right? Right. I, I, you know, and in sales, use what you have. Uh, if, you, if you're young and you're just getting started, be that young, you know, first week salesperson. Yeah, listen, I, uh, I'm sorry. This is like my first week and I'm, I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. I apologize if I'm calling you, uh, whatever. Let them take you under their wing. Let them help you. And then when you get a little older, offer some advice. Give, give to young people, get inside, use, use what you have. Yeah. It's okay. And, and be honest about I it. I love that. It's okay to be imperfect, man. On that note, Mr. Dan Jordan, let these folks know. Hey, you, I got a book. Oh, okay. You got to talk about the book, okay. Sales Proverb. Okay, well, why don't you talk about it? Go ahead. Okay, well, there it is. Listen, it's not about how to sell better. You can get that from Sales Velocity, right. which I tell a lot of people to get. Thank you. This is how to live a great salesperson's life. Give me one of the Proverbs, one of your favorite ones in there. Let's close this out oh, right. Give it, not, not, well, we you, well you brought up the book, so let's, let's, let's close it out with you a know, good one. I, I, I tell you, <laughs> If you want to be a better salesperson, first be a better person. Yeah. I think Work on number one. Oh, man. Let's end it with that. That's a good one. That's a good one to end with. Dan Jordan, let them know where they can find out more information about you. Sure. Well, of course, you can go to Amazon for the book. But if you just pull up my name, Dan Jordan, on Google, uh, you'll be sure to find a bunch of stuff, and we'll get you all hooked he, up. He's all over the Internet. And on that note, from Dan Jordan and myself, Victor Antonio, this is the Sales Influence Podcast. Leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Pandora, wherever you find me. Leave some feedback. Love to hear from you. Check out Dan's book. And after you do that, check out the Sales Velocity Academy. 50 courses, over 500 videos. Go to salesvelocityacademy.com. And lastly, I want to remind you, Dan would agree with me, that selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. Boom.